That was, that was beautiful. Your music is beautiful. And I'm looking out at our team here. We're not uh, gathering for public worship yet, but some of my favorite people are sitting here, and you folks are beautiful. I look at my wife, and I think she's especially beautiful. That's just part of the wife thing. But Jessica was singing to the Lord, you're beautiful. And I want to just play a little game, if I could, uh, with our minds before we get started with the word beautiful. You might think, well, I'm not very religious, but I'm just watching this, or I'm not sure what I believe, or I have a lot of doubts about God. But if you look at the word beauty, when we see something beautiful, and I love to go out in the desert at night and look at the stars, and the the stars are just everywhere at night. You see the Milky Way like you don't see in the city, and it's beautiful. But everything that we see in this world is a little bit imperfect as far as beautiful goes. But we we know that some things are beautiful and some things are less so. So I want to ask you, what are you judging that against? You're judging that against something which is perfectly beautiful and how close it gets to that. Take the word good. Same thing. We say, well, this is good. It's all good. And things are more good and less good. But what is that most good thing? that you're judging goodness against. We've got a ruler. We're, we're judging goodness. We're judging beauty. What about truth? Most of what we say, we, we want to speak the truth as best we can. I try to do that here every Sunday. And yet, what am I judging my truth against? There, there seems to be a perfect truth out there, a perfect justice, a perfect beauty, a perfect goodness. And I would suggest to you that we come ready-made with that measuring stick. And true goodness, true beauty, true love, true creativity, all those things, we call God. And you may think, well, I don't know if I believe in God, but yes, you're using him as a measuring stick all the time. We come cable-ready for understanding God. We're born with an idea of God. And when Jessica is singing, You're Beautiful, she's singing in an imperfectly beautiful way like humans do. Very beautiful, but a human beauty about something bigger than that. And I want you to just think about that for a while. I want you to think about the fact that really deep inside, we have a sense for perfect beauty, perfect goodness, perfect justice, perfect truth, perfect creativity, perfect benevolence, perfect grace. So let's think about that as we open the Bible. We're going to some ancient stuff today. We're doing a sermon series called In the Wilderness. And the Israelites came out of slavery in Egypt, and they spent 40 years in the wilderness, becoming Israel in a way. Their their identity was formed in the wandering. And our identity gets formed during those wilderness times too. We become a product of the challenges that we have mastered. And we grow a lot more from wilderness times than we do from times of prosperity. We all want prosperity. We all want goodness. But we're in a desert time now as a nation as we go through this pandemic and all the political upheaval and all the stuff that's happening. And it's an opportunity to grow and to respond to that challenge. It's just part of sort of the the flow and rhythm of creation to go through these dry times. So how to thrive in difficult times, how to make the most of difficult times. And we chose this sermon series last end of last year before this even happened. So 
that perfect knowledge, that perfect benevolence we call God uh, knew ahead of time where we'd be heading because our challenges are real. We see these statistics on COVID all the time, and I'm not making any political statements. I'm not a not getting into the partisan thing at all. But the truth is these challenges are very, very real. I have a pastor friend, Tim Robertson, who shared a statistic with me. He's from Chicago. And right now in the United States, with 170,000 deaths, we have the equivalent of 50 chock-full big airliners crashing every week with everyone dying on board. Now, if that happened, we'd be up in arms. We had 3,000 people die at the World Trade Center. And these are real people whose lives have ended. Ended too soon. I've got uh, a pastor colleague, Stella, who passed away last week after being on a respirator for quite some time. Part of our Foursquare Church family. And these are challenging times. The challenges are very, very real. And our response to this whole pandemic, a lot of you are facing financial hardship. If you're in the restaurant business, the cruise business, the airline business, or some of these other businesses that have been affected, uh, it's been very, very challenging. I'm looking at our two pastors here, and both of them had layoff issues at their work. We also have jobs from pastors here outside of outside of the church. We're all kind of part-time here. And... They're facing real challenges, and you're facing real challenges. So our challenges are very real in the wilderness. And so what we want to do is we want to figure out how best to respond to this based on the best truth we can gather, the best goodness we can gather, and God's guidance. And so we're going to look at a very strange story in a minute. But Heather Kompreger from our church said that she has a big tattoo with this written on it. And uh, she's been through some real challenging times. And uh, she tattooed this on her shoulder, I believe. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, in this world, you'll have tribulation. You'll have trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. We will have trouble in this world. And trouble is part of the rhythm of creation. And it's our opportunity to grow. Much more so than times of ease. There's times where it's just like a water slide, where things are just going really, really well and there's no effort. And there's times where we're pulling rocks uphill against the wind. Seems like, uh, yeah, riding a bike against the wind is a really good illustration of what our culture is going through right now. So we're going to have the Israelites. We're going to take you back 34, 35 centuries, back to the time of Moses in the wilderness. We're picking out the very best stories of the wilderness to learn from them because the Bible was not written by a bunch of artists, creative types who got together and said, let's write some spiritual stuff. And, uh, and have a party afterwards. They weren't thinking this. Most everything in the Bible was written as a response to a challenge by dozens and dozens of authors who were facing challenges sometimes worse than the ones we're facing as a country. So I think we can learn from their response. These are some of the best responses to challenges which we've ever seen in all of human history in the Bible. That's why they're in the Bible, and that's why they handed it down to us, to show us how to face these things. So we have a really weird story here about the Israelites. Now, the Israelites were complaining against Moses, their leader, and they were complaining against God because they didn't like being in the wilderness. And it's no fun being in the wilderness. It's challenging. It's a, it's a, it's a hard environment to be in. In the desert, people die all the time just because they don't bring water with them. 
And when we're in these desert times like we are right now, there can be real casualties and people can die and things happen. And there's arguments and lots of opinions about what to do about it. A lot of those opinions from all directions are full of ego. And we're going to talk about that and full of the flesh, you know, just uh, uh, it's my way and, or the highway type of thing. And we only understand little bits of the truth. But the Israelites started complaining, and what happened was snakes started coming out of the woodwork and biting them. And these were deadly snakes. And I've, I've actually never, I haven't seen a snake since junior high. And in junior high, I was with a bunch of junior high kids, and we were canoeing around. And we came to the, to the shore of this big river we were canoeing on, and there was big, tall grass, and we were walking up this little trail through the grass with our canoe paddle, and we came across a rattlesnake. And what did junior high boys do? We beat it to death right there. Just beat it to death with a paddle. And then we cleaned it like a fish, found a dead mouse in it, and we cooked it over a spit, and we ate it. And yes, it tastes like chicken. Just just so you know, it tastes like chicken. And it's real bony, though. There isn't much meat on it. So it just if you're ever at a restaurant that, that has rattlesnake, don't get it. It's just all bone and, and, uh, and not much meat, kind of like bass, fish, same thing. So anyways, these rattlesnakes come out, and they're, they're drawn to the Israelites. Why? Because, listen carefully, grumbling attracts death. Let me say that slowly. Grumbling attracts death. If not physical death, a spirit of death into our lives. Grumbling will create an atmosphere around us that sort of like suction pulls death into our lives. And if you see somebody who complains a lot, there's a lot of bad juju around them. And that happens because that's what grumbling does, complaining. And complaining is nothing more than a habit. And we're going to talk about how to get out of that habit in just a moment. But so Moses was told by God, put a serpent, a bronze serpent on a stick, hold it up, and all the Israelites who see it will be healed. Now, Stories don't come a lot stranger than that. They, they really don't. This is a very strange, ancient story, but it has a lot of truths for us as we go through the wilderness and how to respond to the wilderness. Our life is not about our circumstances. It's about how we respond to them. Your biography is your responses to challenges, not the challenges themselves. And we're facing these challenges together, even though we get tired of hearing that. We're all in this together, but uh, we are. Numbers 21, 4 through 9. Here's the story. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Why? Because they were going backwards. There's nothing worse than going backwards. You watch your investments start to go backwards. Or you watch your, your memory start to go backwards as you age. Or you start to see your health or your strength go backwards and you can't do the things you used to do, and you feel like those country songs where it's two steps forward, three steps back, and you feel like you're, you're regressing in life. And there are periods of life like that that aren't progressive at all. They're regressive. And they were frustrated, and they had to go backwards to go around a detour, which nobody likes detours. They're going backwards, and who do you blame? The leaders. Oh, my goodness. I would hate to be the governor or the president right now, and this is not a political statement. Pastor Tamara has been very insistent about praying for our governor and our president, whether or not you voted for them, because it is no fun to be in leadership during 
desert times, during wilderness times. It is, nobody signs up for that. I can't believe people are running for office right now. I would run away from office if somebody suggested that I would do it because leadership is hard. And the people that critique you are people that have never been in leadership. They have no idea what it's like to sit in that chair and make those decisions. Sometimes those decisions, there's just, they're just trade-offs. There's really no good way to look at it. Next verse, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. And they're grumbling and they're complaining. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread, which they're getting for free, manna, which comes from the sky. They're being fed by God, and they're getting sick of it. They're complaining, complaining, complaining. This stuff again. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. What did I say again? Grumbling attracts death. It attracts death. It attracts darkness. It attracts all kinds of bad stuff. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take the serpents away from us. So he prayed for the people, probably with a little bit of begrudging to that. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent. And later on in the Bible it says it was made of bronze, and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. So is that a strange story or what? So, But it is a story about deeper stuff. And we like to dive deep together at this church. We like to get at the truth under the truth. We want to go after a little bit more truth, a little bit more depth. We like to teach messages where... You can't predict where it's going at the very beginning because there's going to be fresh manna, fresh food, fresh baked stuff. What's really interesting is you've seen this before. The rod of Asclepius is the universal sign in the world for the medical profession. You'll see this on Blue Cross stuff. You'll see this on some of your prescriptions. This is a sign. This goes back to 1400, 1500 BC, the time of the Hebrews, and it goes back to the Greeks. Asclepius was a Greek mythical figure who had two daughters. One was hygiene and the other was panacea, uh, the goddess of cleanliness and the goddess of the cure for everything. And so that's where it became the medical symbol. And there is no way to prove that this came from Moses, but we know that there's, it should be too weird for them to both have a symbol of a pole with a serpent on it. That's just too much of a coincidence. And those cultures did a lot of trading back and forth. And so this story of the serpent on a stick from Moses got to the Greeks somehow, and it became a symbol of healing. Became a symbol of healing thanks to that miracle that happened back in the time of the Exodus. In 2 Kings 18.4, King Hezekiah, they still had the bronze serpent, by the way. They still had this from Moses' day. This was hundreds of years later. King Hezekiah broke it in pieces. Why? Because the people had turned it into an idol. And you can look up this verse. They, they had turned it into an idol. They stopped looking at God and they started looking at the symbol. This is why there's a prohibition against idols and graven images in the Bible. Because they are not truly beautiful, truly good. They're made by human hands and they have flaws. And you don't want to set up anything other than perfect beauty, perfect good, perfect justice as God. Otherwise, 
if you do something that humans have crafted, it's going to have problems. Uh, I'm not bashing Buddhism here, but I look at Buddhism, Buddhism statues, and they're always big bellies and big ears. And they're made by human hands. All these symbols are made by humans. And once that becomes the main thing, and it can happen in churches, just try moving some stuff around in a traditional church as far as furniture goes up front. Just try moving the altar or moving the cross. Just try taking down the banner made by the, the head of the kitchen ladies. Good luck. Um, you're going to run into a lot of trouble because people start to fixate on the symbols. Even the cross, the symbol of the cross, can become an idol. And whenever that happens, there's a period of what we call iconoclasm. Icon is an image. Clasm means smashing it up. And Hezekiah went through a time of iconoclasm where he started smashing some of the stuff that people were using, including the very pole and serpent made of bronze that God commanded Moses to use. So God commanded Moses to use it. Hezekiah smashed it because it was something was good that got turned into something which ended up not being so good. And I want to ask you, are there things in your life, physical things that you can't do without? Now, some things we have in our houses are great for memories. But do they become something which is a little bit more than a memory? Takes on a life of its own? Some people, when they've, they come out of the fires I saw recently, all these fires in California, there was a woman who was, was interviewed. She says, well, you know, the good thing is we get to start, out, start over with nothing. And we had a lot of stuff. Because our house burned down. And she's looking on the bright side of it. Sure, it's a tragedy. Their house burned down. But there was a bit of relief there that there were some th certain things that she'd been dragging around from place to place because these things were mementos. And I've got a few of those myself. They come very close to becoming something which isn't healthy. So in 2 Kings 18.4, Hezekiah smashed the, uh, the bronze serpent. And this happened during the Reformation in, uh, in Europe. People went through churches smashing statues. They called them iconoclasts, people that would smash things because they got out of hand. But on the other hand, after Hezekiah, Jesus quotes the story of all stories, one of the strangest stories in the Bible, for the two verses before that memory verse, which is the most famous memory verse in the world, John 3.16. You know it from football games. Whenever somebody kicks a, kicks a field goal, somebody has a shirt that says John 3.16, or they pull their shirt up and they've got it painted on themselves, John 3.16, which is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But the first two verses that come up to that, the verses that come up to that are these, John 3.14 and John 3.15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So that memory verse which we know about, Jesus is quoting the story, the strange story about the serpent there at that point. And then he goes to, of course, the verse you all know, which is, For God so loved the world, and move that up there, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, how do we receive that everlasting life? How do we receive that? We receive it through this. We receive it through gratefulness. Gratefulness is the royal road into 
the Creator's presence. A life of gratefulness is the key to the whole thing. Gratefulness or grumbling, pretty much that's our total choice in life, is gratefulness or grumbling. I've got a red slide here that's got that. I'm going to show that. Tamara, you want to move to that one that says gratefulness or grumbling? Great. When life gives us circumstances, we have two choices. We have gratefulness or grumbling. Gratefulness and grumbling. And of course, we know that the right answer is gratefulness. And we all know that we're supposed to be more grateful. And gratefulness brings us closer to God. And grumbling draws death. It draws uh, literally or figuratively the snakes out. When I'm out surfing in the lineup, whenever somebody starts complaining and bringing a negative vibe to a bunch of people sitting out in the lineup waiting for the waves, we paddle away. Why? Because we really believe it affects the environment of what's going on, and we don't want to be a part of that. We don't go out there in the water and hear that. We want to see beauty. We want to see nature. We want to ride waves. We want to enjoy the salt water, the sunshine. We don't want to hear some guy complaining and dropping F-bombs and all this. You, just, you paddle away because that's just got bad energy. You don't want to be around that. It brings death slowly or quickly into your life. Go to the next slide, if you would, Tamara. I'm going to look at a Bible verse here, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. I want you to look at this verse and notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, give thanks for all things. It says, give thanks in all things. Be grateful, be a, have a grateful heart in the midst of a terrible thing. You don't give thanks to God for stomach cancer. You don't give thanks to God for for horrible tragedies. You don't give thanks to God for COVID or you don't give thanks to God for 9-11, for goodness sake, or some kid dying in a car wreck. No, you don't give thanks for those things, but you cultivate a grateful heart in those things. And there's a, in and, and for are two very different words here. And to be a grateful person, even in the midst of terrible things, is a really important thing. Go ahead and go to the next slide there, Tamara. I'm having a little trouble with my technology here. We're going to practicalities. I'm going to invite Jessica up here to sing a song about choosing gratefulness and choosing to look at the Son of Man lifted up on the cross and choosing to dedicate our lives to perfect goodness, perfect beauty, perfect justice, all of those things, not some imperfect form of that. Because I believe we all have a sense for that in our minds. And when we dedicate ourselves to what our heart wants to dedicate ourselves to, our lives get into alignment, just like a car is properly aligned going down the highway. So here's some practicalities. How do I, how do I choose gratefulness over grumbling? Because I don't want to draw death into my life. I want to draw life. And the more we choose gratefulness, the more we come alive. I don't know who said it once, but... Uh, not in the Bible, but it should be, but says, the glory of God is a man fully alive. And there's something to that. We want men and women to be fully alive. We want to be grateful people. Don't you like being around grateful people? They have contagious life in them, and they draw people unto themselves. Here's some practicality. Both are habits. A lot of people complain, not because they're bad people, but it becomes a habit. 
It's just a habit of speech. They say something they don't like and they complain about it. And it's just, it's just a triggered response thing. And both being grateful and also being grumbling are habits and they can be changed, but you have to be intentional about changing the habit. Louis Hefner, who's one of our wellies living up in Washington, had a great story for me when I was a young pastor. And uh, Louis, you can, you can get in touch with me and tell me if I, if I got this right. But uh, you said uh, there was a rabbi once, and this rabbi had a beautiful hunting dog inside of him. And he also had a snarly, rabid, dirty dog inside of him. And those dogs were fighting inside of his soul all the time, whether he wanted to do good or do evil whether he wanted to be grateful or grumbling. And his students asked him, oh, rabbi, which one's going to win the fight? And the rabbi said, it depends on which dog I feed. Are you going to cultivate that gratefulness? Are you going to starve out grumbling? That's the key here. Which one are you going to feed? Here's another one. This is somewhat chilling. Do you feel like you repel people? You walk in a room, people go the other way. They don't notice you. They don't pay attention. They don't, uh, yeah, they, whatever. You're not drawing people to yourself. Could it be because you're complaining all the time? Nobody wants to be around people that complain all the time. I know people who complain all the time. It's just a bad habit. And then they complain about the fact nobody wants to be with them. Now, there's something to that because people are drawn to grateful people. People want to be around grateful people. People want to form long-term relationships with grateful people because who wants to be in a long-term relationship with someone who complains all day? It's, it's painful. It's like, like water dripping. You know, it's just, it just doesn't go away or a little rattle in your dashboard that doesn't go away. Who wants that? Watch for that. Are people drawn to you or are people trying to get away from you? It might be a clue as to which one you're doing. Number three, ego awareness. Sometimes when I'm complaining, my ego is driving it. When I'm complaining about the government, when I'm complaining about what other people are doing, what am I kind of saying? I'm saying I'm better than they are. When we complain, we're often implying that we know better, that we would never do it that way. That if we were a, a waitress or a waiter at a restaurant, we'd be doing a better job, even though we've never waited on tables in our lives. Even though you know, we complain about somebody, how they played a bad football game or something like that, even though we've never thrown a football ourselves. Even, we complain about the government, even though we've never been in leadership ourselves. But what we're trying to say to people is, I'm better than they are. And that's driven by ego. And do we want to see people driving our ego like that? It's not very attractive. And it repels people. So think about that. Think about that when... If you catch yourself complaining, ask yourself, is my ego, is my flesh driving this? Number four, learn to state negativity without grumbling. I'm not saying be in denial. I'm not saying be a bliss ninny and just pretend like everything's great when it's not. Oh, everything's wonderful. No, it's sometimes things aren't wonderful. But learn to speak the truth about bad things without a grumbling vibe, without grumbling background music, without your ego implying that you're better than other people. 
learn to speak the truth about bad things and be honest about them without complaining. First of all, you'll notice that people actually listen when you do that. Second of all, sometimes we need to tell people things aren't going well because it's the truth and we need to fix it. You don't want to pretend like your car is working great if, if smoke is coming out from under the hood. You want to say there's smoke coming out from under the hood. What am I going to do about it? Number five, gratefulness is healing. Now, I'm not saying you're sick because you're grumbling, although I think excessive grumbling can make you sick. There's a lot of ways to get sick, and one of them is grumbling, and it can bring sickness and death into our lives. And if we are grateful, it is healing to our bones. A grateful spirit creates a healthy vibe inside of us. Our body likes it when we're grateful. And our body works better when we're grateful. And that sort of gratefulness, that grateful, mindful feeling we have when we're happy with the present moment and enjoying that moment is a beautiful thing, and it truly is healing. The last one, most destroyed primary relationships. I'm talking about big relationships, marriages, close co-workers, best friends, brothers and sisters, parents and children, most destroyed primary relationships, the destruction started out with light grumbling. That got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And next thing you know, the only thing you think about the other person is grumbling. Do you really want your primary relationships destroyed? Grumbling will bring death into your primary relationships quickly. And the more we're grateful for our primary relationships and the less we're grumbling about them, the stronger they will get over time. I'm not saying you can't tell the truth about bad stuff in your relationships, but we need to do it without grumbling. Grace and gratefulness. I'm going to close with this. God is sending his, not just a little bit of grace, his perfect grace to us. We've got a picture of Jesus here on the cross. Grace and gratefulness. His perfect grace comes to us 24-7, and it's healing. And the way we receive it is being grateful for what he's doing for us, what Jesus is doing for us on the cross, what God does when he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Not just a little grace, but his perfect grace. Who doesn't want to receive perfect grace from a perfect God who's perfectly beautiful, perfectly just, perfectly creative? All of those things. You're going to have an opportunity in a moment to express your gratefulness and your yes to that perfection, which we all sense as being God. And we're saying yes to life and no to the grumbling that brings death. You notice the Israelites were grumbling not just against Moses, but against God. And we can complain to God because he can take it. It's just so important that we learn over time to tell the truth to God without bitterness and to have a conversation with him about that and to receive more of his grace. I just invite you to pray with me. Lord, we give you thanks for the story of 
Very strange story of Moses and the serpents in the wilderness. And Lord, all of us have fallen into the pit of grumbling habits from time to time. For some of us, it's our main form of conversation, and we need to get rid of it today. Because we want to bring life, we want to attract life into our lives, not death, not serpents, not snake bite, literal or figurative. Lord, we repent of our grumbling spirit against those closest to us. Lord, we want to feed that noble hunting dog inside of us that wants to be grateful. Not the scary-looking, ugly, dirty dog that's got rabies and foaming at the mouth. Lord, we want that one to starve. The dog of grumbling. So, Lord, we pray, Lord, that uh, you'd help all of us, whether we see ourselves as religious or not, or whatever label we put on that, to, to be more receptive and more grateful for what you've done for us. For what you've done for us is perfect and it's beautiful. And there's something inside of us that won't settle for anything less than perfect love and perfect beauty. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, House, for that encouraging message. Boy, the Holy Spirit is working because I literally pulled up on my tablet, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. The Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, and this is Paul talking, he goes on to say, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Let's just sing this song together just as a response to what God is tugging on our hearts for this morning. Let's follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though I may wander, still I will follow. Though I may wander, still I will follow. Though I may wander, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. cross before me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. 
turning back Though none go with me Still I will follow You know, I was thinking as House was talking this morning, I went through about a year of grumbling, and it was probably not my proudest moment, but when I was recording my album, I actually had one particular producer who was walking me through all the steps, and we actually went into the studio and we recorded all the songs. This was just a few years ago. We recorded all the songs, and then my producer actually moved away, and I can I'm sure you can imagine I felt a little abandoned and not really sure what to do. It was my first full album. And I had been praying about maybe having this producer come back and rejoin and regroup and try to get this thing done. And it just was not working. And I said, Lord, why would you bring me this far to just leave me here with these half, this half-done album? And about a year later, as I was praying, um, a friend of mine said, hey, how's the recording going? And he actually told me about a different producer that happened to have a free studio and was thrilled to be able to help me finish my project. And what was really ironic about it is if I had finished my album that year prior, even though I complained and grumbled the whole next year, but if I had finished the album, it would have been a completely different record 
than what I recorded one year later. There were so many inspirational things that the Lord had showed me, so many things that were surrendered. I even wrote a new song that ended up on the album with new flavors and new sounds. And it was way better than I even ever anticipated because I had this new producer. Sometimes I think we go through grumbling periods because of blocked expectations. And it's so easy to do that. And then say, Lord, where are you? But God is always with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He is leading us every step of the way. And if something doesn't necessarily go our way, sometimes that's when we have to step back in gratefulness and say, Lord, maybe you're in charge here. Maybe you're actually doing something. Maybe you're trying to get me to go a different direction. Understanding the sovereignty of God in our lives, that he is always moving, he's always working, he's always orchestrating his beauty on our behalf, should give us a grateful heart to know that the creator of the universe, who knows us by name, he placed every star in the sky and he knows every star by name. He knows us intimately. And when we walk with a God and we follow Jesus, we can trust that our lives are capable in his hands. He is worthy and he is trustworthy. And that our lives can become a sweet aroma of thanksgiving and of gratitude. I just want to invite you this morning. You know, it's hard to do this online without having you actually here and in person. And we don't know where all of you are, maybe in your walk with God or where you are in your circumstances. And I know even just talking to friends, there is a lot of hopelessness going on, a lot of questioning. And maybe you've been questioning God this morning, saying, God, are you real? Are you even here? Are you with us? Do you know me? Don't you see me? Don't you see my pain? Don't you see that I need healing? Don't you see that I have needs that are not being met? And I am here to tell you this morning that God is with you. He's been with you every step of the way, and he knows the plans that he has for you. And I just want to give you an opportunity to maybe this morning, maybe you've been putting it off and you just haven't really had the opportunity to actually invite the Lord into your life once and for all, just to secure that, that relationship with God. And guess what? He wants it even more than you do. He would love for you to be in his will so that he can bless you, he can lead you, he can guide you. So I just want to pray with you this morning. If maybe that's you this morning or if you just need a special touch from God and a touch from heaven, um, I'm just going to pray for you. And we're going to allow you an opportunity for an invitation this morning. So Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you are good, that you are real. I thank you so much that you know every heart that is listening right now. You know them by name. You say that you formed them in their mother's womb and you knew the plans that you had for them before the foundations of the earth. That is such great news that you know us intimately. And you know struggling hearts right now. You know circumstances. You know hopelessness. Even I even sense that there's been a spirit of suicide on some people this week. This is not the end, folks. This is only a new beginning. Setbacks are only set-ups for great comebacks. 
And I just believe that that is a promise that someone needs to hear this morning. So if that's you and you just, in that song, you just said, yes, I just need to surrender all. You've been hanging on to so much and you need freedom and you just need to release that over to the Lord. Would you just open your hands this morning just as a posture of surrender and just say, Lord, I give it to you. Every burden, every care, every concern, I give it over to you. And maybe you've been questioning if God is even real or if he knows you, and guess what he does? If that's you this morning, would you just say, God, I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. Would you come and just have your way? I surrender it all to you. Take my pain. Take my tears. Take my burdens. Take my anxieties. Take my fears. And I leave them in your capable hands, Jesus. Jesus' hands still have holes, the wounds from when he died on the cross for you and for me. He stretched out his arms and we begged to ask the question, how much do you love me? Do you love me, Lord? And he stretched his arms out and said, I love you this much. And he died on a cross for us, for our sins, for freedom, for truth for revival, for refreshment, that we can have a new life. He says this morning, behold, I make all things new. So Lord, I thank you. Would you just come and invade our lives this morning and to everyone that prayed that prayer, would you just reach out to us this morning and let us know if you made that decision or if you have more questions about God, there's any one of us in this church or any one of the elders would love to answer your questions. Because there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. And sometimes we have answers and sometimes we don't. But God's word is true. It has been proven for thousands of years. And he is with you. So I'm just going to close out in one final prayer. And I believe that this is just a declaration over our lives in conjunction with what House was talking about, about grumbling and thanksgiving. Let this be our prayer collectively as a church family this morning. Lord, we praise you for all the good that you are doing in and through this strange and difficult time through every heart. For you know the plans and purposes you have for us, and your promises are yes and amen. Lord, this morning we praise you in our disappointments because you and your goodness always have the last word. Lord, we praise you in our sickness because you are our healer. And where your presence is, there is healing. We praise you in this season of delay because your timing is perfect. We praise you in difficulties for our trials, our weaknesses, our weariness, for your strength is made perfect. We praise you when we feel lost or we can't find our way, for you are our way maker. We praise you when we feel alone, for we know that you are always with us. And then your presence becomes extra sweet. You never leave us or forsake us. You are an extraordinary God, and you come in no other way than extraordinary. In your extraordinary power, your grace, your mercy, and truth. And I ask that you would once again just touch every heart listening to my voice. We pray this in Jesus' Christ's beautiful name. Amen and amen.
Tamara take it away with some great announcements. Thank you, Jessica. That was awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, just a few announcements. Um, first off, we do want to pray for you. Um, you can email me at Tamara underscore Dorica at yahoo.com. And uh, we will get those prayers and I'll give them to our prayer team that love, love, love to pray. And so please, anytime you have a prayer request, get it in to me. I will make sure they have it. You can also go to our Facebook um, prayer wall. It's on our group, our private group. Um, so if you've not joined the private group, join the private group. And we do have a prayer wall on that. So you can put them on at any time and have the entire body of uh, Christ praying for you from the well. So please do that because one of our things, especially during these times, we need to pray for each other. It's been, August has been a weird, well, we've had weird months all for months and months and months. August is a hard month for a lot of us and we need those prayers. And so please um, continue to pray uh, for all of us and we'll continue to pray for you. Speaking of prayer, our August prayer cards are coming up to an end. So we will have September soon, which reminds me I need to get those out. Um, but we are praying uh, for our unity, for our country. We continue to pray for our president, continue to pray for our governor, continue to pray for our pastors and our trustees um, for health and protection. We're going to be having a trustee meeting on Tuesday. We're asking specifically for prayers for guidance and for knowledge and wisdom and discernment of what the Lord wants us as trustees and leaders of the church to do. So please um, specifically pray for that for Tuesday evening. So please join us on our prayer cards, um, and we'll have September's up the beginning of December. Also, continue reading the Bible with us. Uh, we have that listed on our Facebook page and our group. House does a video teaching. I'm going to encourage you to read it first and then watch the videos. Uh, there's... God will show you things, and then House's teaching can back that up or show you something new. But we always want God to show us um, what he wants for us in our Bible readings first. So please join us in that. Our teacher training is, it says a business plan for your ministry, but it's not that. It's denominational allergies, overcoming denominational allergies. Um there are a lot of denominations out there, and there are a lot of people that love certain denominations and hate others, and um, just come and learn about different denominations and how to get over our allergies to them, because I think really we're all one under the body of Christ, and we need to start working. We need to have that unity, no matter what the denomination is. So please come and learn. That is today at 4 p.m., and you're all invited. If you have any questions, contact House, and it's HB, HB House at gmail.com, and he will give you the link to that Zoom meeting. Again, don't have my glasses on. My phone is so tiny. Ties and offerings. Um, thank you so much for your generosity. We are so grateful for that. We continue to thrive during a time where many churches are barely surviving. And yet we thrive. And we're so grateful to all of you. We're grateful to God specifically 
for just continue to provide for us and to guide us. So thank you. Um, if you'd like to send in your offerings, you can send it in my snail mail, 2721 Delaware Street, Huntington Beach, 92648. You can go to our website, Dive Deep Together. You can go to our um, Faith Life app. You can go to PayPal. There's a lot of different ways. You can go to um, tinyurl.com slash malachi310giving. It'll give you all the different ways to donate and to send in your tithes. So thank you. There's also a new way or a new program that we're doing. It's the Patreon and you can go to patreon.com slash worldwide well. And that's for people that maybe don't want to just tithe. They want to do something more or something less. You can give $5. You can give $10. You can give $1,000, whatever it is. So check out that site as well, patreon.com slash worldwide well. And please join us with that. And I think that is it for us. Um, this week, stop your grumbling. I'm going to give you a short little story. I was grumbling and woke up Wednesday morning, and this was before I knew what house was going to talk on because I think you sent it to us that afternoon, what he was going to talk on. So my, Wednesday morning, I woke up, and I really just thought, I need to stop grumbling and complaining about the weather because in Southern California, we're having a lot of humidity and a lot of heat and we are not it's just no stop and most of us in California Southern California do not have air conditioners and I'm one of them and our house last night at 1 30 in the morning was 75 degrees outside with 82 percent humidity I wasn't sleeping very well my mom wasn't sleeping very we were kind of grumbling complaining last night because I'm like Lord you need to cool it down because I just can't sleep so Wednesday morning you need to start posting on Facebook and your Instagram accounts something positive about the humidity and the heat. So it is tongue-in-cheek, but it's I'm trying to take a positive spin, and I'm going to tell you it's worked. It has changed my mindset. It's changed my heart, and I had a better week because of it. So my first post, if you've ever seen Friends, and they went down to the Bahamas and Monica's hair went whoop, because, and it's all about the humidity. And so I think my first post was that I saved time because I didn't need to do my hair and makeup because my makeup was just going to melt off my face and my hair is going to look like Monica and do its own thing. And so I'm saving time. Yay, me, right? So those have been my posts all week. And so I still have to do today's post. So it's tongue-in-cheek. It's funny. Um, I've had so many comments about how funny it is, and that's what gratitude's going to do. It's going to bring joy back into your life, even in the – we're still sweating here. It's still hot. I'm getting a little air up here, except the lights are blaring now. But we can laugh at it now. Yeah, I complained a little bit about it. But um, it's definitely reset my mind and reset my heart and brought more joy. So that's what gratitude will do versus grumbling. It's going to give you more joy. So have a joy-filled week. God bless you all, and we will see you here next week. Bye-bye.